We're studying the book of Proverbs, and, um, and I want you to look, if you would, just in, in Proverbs chapter number 12, we'll begin reading in verse number 1, and we'll read down through verse number 5, and uh, that may be as far as we get tonight. The Bible says, whoso loveth instruction loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof is brutish. A good man obtaineth favor of the Lord, but a man of wicked devices will he condemn. A man shall not be established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous shall not be moved. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. The thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceived. The title of the message tonight is Contrast. Contrast. Um, the word contrast is defined as to set in opposition two or more figures of a like kind with a view to show the difference and to manifest the superior excellence of the one by the inferiority of the other, uh, or to exhibit the excellence of the one and the defects of the other in a more striking view. Uh, as I have studied um, the, really the last two chapters, chapter 11 and chapter number 12, there is no doubt in my mind that this is what Solomon is doing as he is writing. Uh, he, is, he is contrasting two things that are sort of of a like kind, and, uh, and he, is, he, is showing, he is showing that one is far superior or far more excellent than the other is. That's exactly what he's, what he's doing. It's similar to sort of what we talked about last week, how life is full of choices and decisions. Uh, one, one choice that you could make is far more excellent and far more superior than the other choice that you can make. We, we said last week that really, in all of life, there, there really are only two options. There is doing that which is right and doing that which is wrong. One way to make the best choice possible uh, is, is, uh, is to sort of compare the two, to contrast the two, to look at both options in a clear and an unbiased way. That's hard for us to do, isn't it? It's really hard for us to look at something in an unbiased way because we all have, we all have our biases. We have our preconceived notions. In other words, we, we sort of enter into a decision-making process already in our minds thinking, well, I know the way that I think we ought to go, or I know the decision that I think ought to be made here. But really, as you, as you compare the two, one, one, if you're really honest and you're really sincere and you, and you maintain a, a willingness to be unbiased, one will shine brighter and brighter and it will be cle clearly seen that this is the way that we, we ought to go. In the meantime, one will, one will be less and less inviting and less and less appealing. Because in all of life, again, there are only two ways or choices, the right way and the wrong way, when contrasting in a sincere way, you will find the right choice to be of superior excellence while the wrong or wicked choice will be inferior and ultimately defective. And that's what, where, where we talk about what comes in this morning when we talked about the fact that the devil, he, he, shows, he shows us at the outset something that really is not, is not sincere. He gives us a picture of something, and I talked a little bit about you know, shopping for, for an item. I, 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 I'm thinking to myself, how many times have you been to a fast food restaurant and you look at the board there and you say, I'll have that hamburger. And that's the hamburger you want, but you know as well as I do, that's not the hamburger you get, 
right? You know that, that they, you know, they doctor all those things up and there's this amazing thing called Photoshop and there's little tricks that they can do to make that hamburger patty appear to be bigger and make it appear to be more, you know, tasty than what it actually is. And, and uh, you know, the lettuce looks extra green and, 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 and everything is just, is just shining. And the, listen, the devil does the exact same thing. And you and I have to, have to be able somehow, some way to see beyond that and to be able to really contrast things in an unbiased and a sincere way. And so the book, of course, of Proverbs is, is, is written from the perspective of a wise parent teaching his son these competing contrasts. And the idea here is, is that, is that the parent has already been down this path so that perhaps maybe he has made some poor choices and some poor decisions. And, uh, and, and, he, and he's trying to warn his son, he's trying to warn his daughter, hey, listen, don't make the same mistakes that I did. Let me help you to uh, contrast these things. And so every verse, every verse is this but this, and it's, it's every step of the way, all the way through. Tonight, I, I want to identify some key contrasts that I, will be, that I believe will be a very practical help to our church family. I, I believe um, that these will be a, a help to anyone who will listen with a sincere and an open heart. Regardless of your age or stage in life, these contrasts have the ability and opportunity to make a huge difference in your life and your way of thinking. And because we, we have 28 verses here, there is no way that we could possibly hit on everyone. And so I've just tried to follow the leading of the Lord, and I just want to draw three of them to your attention, and we may not even get all the way through tonight. So let's just jump right into it. Number one is this. He says, contrast the counsel of the righteous with the counsel of the wicked. Contrast the counsel of the right, or, or look at the counsel that the righteous is going to give you, and compare that with the counsel that the wicked is going to give you, and, 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 and then choose who you're going to listen to and who you're going to take counsel from. That's found very clearly in verse number five, where he says, the thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceit. Let me say two things that are very clearly seen in this text. The very first portion of this phrase makes it this abundantly clear that the counsel of the righteous will lead you to blessing. The counsel of the righteous will lead to blessing. You know, we know that it's wise to seek counsel, right? The, the book of, of Proverbs tells us in three separate places that there is wisdom and there is safety in a multitude of counselors. You'll find that in Proverbs 11 and verse number 14, Proverbs 15 and verse 22, and then Proverbs 24 and verse number 6. You know, we've often, we've often said, you know, if God says something once, you know, we ought to take heed to it and we ought to listen. But when God repeats himself, he's, he, he's, he's really trying to drive a point home, right? And so we find in three separate occasions in the book of Proverbs, God talking about the importance of a multitude of counselors. Now, what is a multitude? What is a multitude? Well, I, I, suppose, I suppose it just sort of means many, right? It just means a lot. You, you, you can maybe sort of build your number off of, you know, whatever a lot is to you. 
Um, you know, if, if he would have said, you know, one counselor's enough, then he could have, he could have said that. If he would have said in a, a couple of counselors, we often, oftentimes we define a couple as being two. That's sort of the idea. When we have a couple in the English language, that just typically means two. Uh, but a multitude, I would say, is anything above and beyond that. So at the very, at the very bare minimum, we're going to look for at least three or more counselors who are going to counsel us about a specific matter, a decision that needs to be made. So, so that's clearly defined and established, and that's important. We understand that the multitude of counselors is a concept that is clearly taught in the book of Proverbs. But here's the question. Is the Bible just saying all that matters is you get a bunch of people to weigh in on a matter, or, or does it not matter, or does it matter who is weighing in on it? In, in, other, words, in other words, is the Bible just saying, Man, just get as many people as you possibly can, tell them what you're dealing with, and see what they have to say, and then make your decision based on what they say. I think we understand that based on what's found here and certainly other places in in, in the book of Proverbs and throughout Scripture, we come to the understanding that it does matter who your multitude is, right? Who, Who is your multitude? Who is your crowd? Sometimes we'll say that, this is my crowd. And I just want to go on record tonight and say, this is my crowd right here. This church, these are the people that I go to when I have questions. It could be something as, as simple as, you know, I've got a major purchase that I need to make, and, and I run, I'll run it past a few of you that I know have maybe some expertise in that particular matter, or it could be something as complex as, you know, a rearing children, or, uh, or, or, you know, again, some financial matter, or maybe some career-oriented thing. And, and, and I'm just simply asking the question tonight. You need to ask yourself the question, who is my crowd? Who is my multitude? So a multitude is important, but, but not just anybody, not just anybody according to God's standard should be, should be part of your multitude. No, there is, there is wisdom, there is wisdom in, in determining that I'm going to get counsel from godly, righteous people. Because he says here in this text that the thoughts of the righteous are right. Oftentimes when we get counsel, that's sort of how we'll lead into it. We'll, we'll, we'll give the scenario and they say, so what are you thinking? What are you thinking? And, and that's, that's good. That's good because that's what's found here. The thoughts of the righteous are right. So it does matter who is counseling you, not just how many you are hearing from. If you go to men and women for counsel who are known for their holiness and their righteous reputation, you can be certain that their counsel will lead to blessing. And, and here's what I'd say. Make sure, make sure those who are counseling you are doing so from God's eternal word. Biblical counsel, that's the, that, that's the key here. What does, what does the Bible say about our problems? What does the Bible say about our matters and about our issues? The Bible is clear, listen, that it wants to speak into every area of your life. Every area. And that it, and it has the ability to speak into every area of your life. And so if you find yourself going to your multitude, going to your crowd... Then you ask them, what are you thinking? And if rarely, if ever, they point you back to this book, then you probably need to find a new multitude. You need to find a new crowd. Uh, You need to find someone who will say, well, what does the word of God have to say about a matter? There's nothing wrong with drawing from one's own personal experience. But you know as well as I do that personal experience is not sufficient because everyone's personal experience is different. 
right? I mean, you know, I could, I could tell you, well, when, when my kids were little, here's what we did. But as I said a moment ago, you know, when my kids were little, times were different. Things were different. The thinking was different. And my kids are different than your kids. And so for me to just simply say, well, here's what we did with my kids is not, is not good. What I, need, what I ought to be able to do is I ought to be able to say, well, what does the Bible have to say? That, that's, really what's being, that's really what's being identified here. Because when he's saying the thoughts of the righteous, he's saying, he's saying those whose, whose thoughts are composed of what is found in this book. That, that's what makes someone righteous is the word of God. That, that's what transforms a life. So, so understand that the counsel of the righteous will lead to blessing. Why? Because the counsel of the righteous will be what is found in this, in this book. Number two, we see not only the counsel of the righteous will lead to blessing in this verse, but we see number two, the counsel of the wicked will lead to disappointment. The counsel of the li- wicked leads to disappointment. Let me give you, some, let me give you some, some phrases that I think are synonymous with wicked counsel. You deserve it. You can get away with it. Here's another one. I don't see anything wrong with it. How about this one? It won't hurt anybody. Or maybe you've earned this opportunity. You know, these phrases and a million more characterize the counsel of the wicked. The wicked, listen, he gives counsel, she gives counsel based on what they would do if they were in that scenario. Uh, what, what feels good to them or what pleases the flesh. Oftentimes, oftentimes they go for what is easiest, what is most comfortable, uh, what is the least path of resistance. Why? Because the wicked is just thinking about pleasing the flesh. It's how they've lived all their lives. It's how they're going to continue to live. The wicked gives no thought, no thought whatsoever to what God's word has to say when giving counsel because his counsel is devoid of God's eternal truth. He knows nothing of what is found in this book. His counsel, therefore, listen, when it says here his counsel is deceit, it means it's fraudulent, it is deceitful, and it is ultimately a great disappointment. The Bible says in Psalm 12, Verses two and three, they speak vanity, every one with his neighbor. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Psalm 140, verses one to three, the Bible says, deliver me, O Lord, from the evil man. Preserve me from the violent man, which imagine mischiefs in their heart. Continually are they gathered together for war. They have sharpened their tongues like a serpent. Adder's poison is under their lips. So be very careful to whom you go for counsel. Understand that if you go to counsel, go for counsel to a wicked man, you will ultimately be disappointed in the way that he leads you. On the other hand, if you go for counsel to a righteous man who teaches you and leads you in the path of Bible wisdom, you follow and you follow what he leads you to do, you will be blessed and you will be grateful for it. Now, while we're on the topic, I, I want to just share a couple of additional thoughts regarding, regarding this concept of counsel. That doesn't necessarily come out of our, our text. Maybe they'd be a little bit more practical things. But I think, they're also, I think they're also biblical truths as well. And I want to say just, just two additional thoughts. And I don't know that they're going to appear on, your, on the screen here in front of you. But let me just make these two, two statements tonight about counsel. Number one, I want to say this. You do not need. You do not need counsel about a matter in which God has clearly spoken about. So there it is. I wasn't sure if it was on there. But you might want to write that down somewhere. 
Don't waste, don't waste somebody's time. Don't waste somebody's time by sitting down and asking them, well, what do you, what do you think I ought to do about this when, when, listen, God has clearly spoken. Now, now, if you're here tonight and you're saying, listen, with a sincere heart, I don't necessarily know what God has spoken about. Well, that's a different question. That's a different statement altogether. But, but, but some of you, some of you, some of us, we've been saved for 25, 30 years. We know what the Bible says. We know what the Bible teaches. And, and, and so to, you know, to, to go to someone for, for counsel uh, when the Bible has clearly spoken about a matter, it just, it just isn't necessary. You should not seek counsel regarding these things, regarding dating and marrying an unsafe person. That's not something you ought to sit down and say, well, what do you think I ought to do? Who cares what that person thinks you ought to do? What does God's word say you ought to do? What do you, what do you know the Bible teaches about that? And if you've been around here long enough, you know, you know the Bible speaks very clearly to that particular concept. And, if, and, if, and even if the Bible hadn't spoken to it, but it has, but even if it hadn't, there are so many examples of people that, uh, that went against clear Bible teaching and they lived to regret it. So, so why, why would you sit down with someone? Why would you sit down with someone and say, you know, and sometimes this is how we lead it off. Well, I know what the Bible says, but... And then then you're, you don't want Bible counsel. You want, you want somebody just to tickle your ears and make you feel better about what you're getting ready to do. If the Bible is clearly spoken about a matter, then leave it alone. And do what God's word has to say. And obey God's word. How, how about this? How about this? You don't need counsel about whether you should, att- you should attend church faithfully. You know? Well, you know, do we, do we really need to come... You know, do we really need to be here? Now listen, there are going to be times in all of our lives in which, you know, whether through sickness or maybe through a, a travel situation that cannot be avoided or maybe just some weird calamity or, or, or catastrophe, you know, that we're, you know, that we can't, you know, you know be, be in church. Uh, earlier this afternoon, I was in my home and uh, my son got up and he's walking around the house and he, and he, he I don't know what he did, but he walked into a wall. Literally, he walked into, into a wall before church, and I heard this howl come from the bathroom, and he comes ho- hobbling out of the bathroom, and he is, literally, he's, he's in pain, great pain, and he, he walked, you, you've done it before, he walked into a wall with his toe. You know how that hurts, I mean, it, that's a painful thing. And, and so he starts, he starts in on me, Dad, I don't know if I can go to church tonight. I don't know if I can go to church tonight. I'm like, you can go to church tonight. You'll be, you'll be fine, you'll, you'll be all right. Dad, I, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Now, now again, listen, some of you, you, you get a little bit older and you walk into walls and you, you don't need to come to church, all right? Just stay home and you'll be better off. But a nine-year-old kid, but, but the, the, truth, the truth of the matter is, listen, listen, I, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to teach him uh, this, this thought that a little bit of pain should not keep someone from God's house. Now, listen, if it's, you know, again, let, let's, let's, be, let's be reasonable tonight. If you can't walk, you know, or if you can't sit still, or, or I mean, you know, you've got you've to be on such medication that will not allow, I'm, I'm, not being, I'm not trying to be hard to get along with here tonight, but I'm just simply saying that, that he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't need me to sit down and say, now, well, let's just think about this, you know. Yeah, I guess you can, I guess you can stay home tonight. It'll be okay. No, no, he needed, he needed someone to say, no, listen, the church is meeting. Shake it off. You're going to be just fine. The truth of the matter is, is that we're living, we're living in a culture that is looking, they're looking for, you know, opportunities to, that poor kitty's hanging his head in shame over there, you know, and 
That's what happens when you're the preacher's kid, you know. But, uh, but, but, but you're going to, you know, you, you, need, you just need to understand that God's word teaches that when God's people gather, you ought to be part of it. You ought to be present, and you ought not to look for, look for ways, to, ways to get out of it. You don't need counsel about that. You don't need counsel about whether you should live a morally pure life. You don't need counsel about that. You don't need, you don't need somebody to sit. God has already clearly spoken about these matters. No doubt about it. God's word is full. God's word is full of teaching that relates to keeping our bodies, these vessels that God has given us, keeping them pure and unspotted from the world. So, so listen, you don't, need to, you don't need to sit down with someone and have a conversation about whether you should move in together before you get married. God, God clearly, clearly talks about these matters. I know, I know, I know we're, it's 2022. I know everybody's doing it. I'll just give you the same line my parents gave me when I was a kid. If everybody was jumping off a bridge, would you jump off of a bridge? Now, how many of you had parents like that? And they, yeah, there you go. The vast majority of us, that's why we're all so warped, you know, is we had parents like that. But, but listen, here, here's, that, that, can I tell you that that's, that's worse than jumping off of a bridge. That's destroying your life. It's destroying your life. It's not good. It's not good. God's word has clearly spoken about it. You don't need counsel about that. You don't need counsel about that. You just need to stay as far away from that type of behavior as you possibly can. You don't need counsel whether, about whether you should be faithful in giving. You need counsel about that. God's, God's talked about that. He says you need to do it. You need to give. You need to, be, you need to be generous. You need to sacrifice. All of these are matters that God has clearly spoken about, and we could go on and on and on. And here's what I'm trying to say. Who cares what I or any other person has to say about these matters when God has clearly spoken about these matters? If you will not listen and obey God and what he has said, what makes you think that you're going to obey though a pastor or some other godly person reinforces what he has already clearly taught you and communicated to you? You don't need counsel about these things. Open your Bible, read it, and obey it. Do what it tells you to do, and you'll be a whole lot better off. Here's a second, here's just a second thought. Number two, if you've already made up your mind about a matter, and you go to someone for counsel about that matter, you're just wasting their time. In other words, if I've already determined, well, here's what I'm going to do, and I'm just looking for somebody to agree with me, that's not counsel. That's not counsel. That's you know, let's, let's be buddy-buddy here, and, and you agree with me, and I'll agree with you, and we'll just pat each other on the back, and away we'll go. That is not the definition of counsel. Too many people, too many people have already made up their minds, and they're just looking for someone to validate them, because again, they've already made up their mind about the matter, and so it doesn't really matter what the person says. If the person says that they agree with them, then they're going to walk away feeling really good about it, the person says they don't agree with them, they're going to think, well, you're just mean and you're hateful and you don't want me to enjoy life and you don't want me to have a good time. And again, at this point, you don't want someone to give you counsel. You just want someone to agree with the decision you've made so you can feel better about it. That's not counsel. And you're just wasting the time of the person you're going to for counsel. Now, I, I just, you know, I want you to know that we are happy. We're happy to sit down with people and try to counsel people. In fact, we spent quite a bit of time over the last nine months sitting in seminars and sitting in classes because we looked at our own life. I looked at my life and I felt that I was woefully, woefully inadequate in this area. I went to Bible college and I think I had a semester, a semester of classes on, and I say classes, one class, a semester's worth of class on counseling. And it wasn't sufficient. And even if, even if it would have been, I was 19 or 20 years old and my mind was in another place. 
And I never dreamed, I never dreamed that I'd be sitting in, in, in this office and hearing some of the things that are brought uh, to, my, to my attention. And God has, God has really, God has really worked me over in this area. And I, again, just acknowledge that I have a long, still a long, long ways to go. But here's what I do believe. I, I do believe biblical counsel can change lives. I believe that. I believe that. And, um, and, and we need to get better at it. As a church family, as a church family, all of us, all of us need to sharpen our skills as it relates to counseling and, and giving biblical counsel. Not just what do you think about it or giving your thoughts on the matter, but what does this book have to say? So as we think about this idea of contrast, he contrasts the counsel that you're going to get from the righteous with the counsel that you're going to get from the wicked, and, and now you have a decision to make. The next time, the next time you're faced with a pretty major decision, where are you going to go? Who's going to be your crowd? Who's going to be your multitude? And, and what he's saying is you can, you can choose a wicked multitude if you want, but understand this, their counsel will lead to disappointment. Or, or you can choose a righteous multitude. You can choose a multitude of people who know God's word and will teach you God's word. And if you'll listen to them and you'll obey what they have to say, because you're not obeying them, you're obeying what this book has to say, you will be blessed.